If you knew there was a universe where you were happy, wouldn't you want to go there? I am happy. I know better than most what self-deception looks like. What you're doing is a flagrant violation of every natural law, and if you take that child's power, she won't survive. I don't relish hurting anyone, Stephen. But she's not a child. She's a supernatural being. Such raw power could wreak havoc on this and other worlds. Her sacrifice would be for the greater good. Well, you can kiss the lunchbox goodbye, because that's the kind of justification our enemies use. Is it the one you used? When you gave Thanos the Time Stone? That wasn't war, and I did what I had to do. You break the rules and become a hero. I do it and I become the enemy. That doesn't seem fair. to a podcast exploring faith and fear. What scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to what? Well, it's your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every single week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is, yep, you guessed it, the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one third of your quarterly queens and foreign correspondent, Vera Gowdy. Your usual hosts, Reed Lackey and Nathan Rouse, were star wiped out of our universe. I hope they're okay and didn't end up in the paint universe. I have it on good authority. It's really hard to eat there. But in the meantime, allow me to welcome you, listeners, fellow foggers, back to this universe, where it's 2023 and a brand new year here at the Fear of God podcast. And as we begin every new year, we're covering films from the previous year's slate of horror releases. I'm sure Reed and Nathan will eventually make it back to this universe. And if not, there's an infinite number of those guys out there, surely. But in the meantime, I am joined by my fellow queens, Jess Fishley and Asia Schwarzenschruber. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? So good. How are you, Asia? I am doing well. It's good to see you. I'm so glad to see your faces here. Now, before we leave Universe 616 to explore the multiverse, permit me to remind you, listeners, that here at The Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain, except for right now, when I explain that you can find not only our missing hosts and other foggy peers in our Fear of God Facebook group, but any other, every single fog and fear of God thing imaginable can be found at thefearofgodpodcast.com, such as how to support the pod on Patreon, highly recommend, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, and fog merch. Pretty cool. Anyway. 
before we get started on all the fun things that we have to do today, there's some business time, of course. Make sure that you are reading Night Shift by Stephen King. It's a collection of short stories, which may or may not, wink, wink, come up in a future series here on the pod. And guys, what do we have the honor of doing today? Cannot wait. Here we go. (laughs) We have the honor of announcing the listener voted top 10 horror of 2022. Woo! And of course, we're going to start at number 10 and work our way up to number one. At number 10, we have the minorly maligned movie, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves, which I liked a lot more than Reed. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Coming in at number nine is The Menu. I have not seen this movie yet. I tend to be the one who will get to this movie maybe somewhere around 2025. (laughs) My cuteness tends to get a little long. So I'm excited, though. I've heard good things, especially from you guys. So it's worth moving up in your queue, honestly. All right. right. It is uh, very fitting that I get to announce that number eight is Barbarian, directed by Zach Krieger, Krieger, whichever one of those it is. Do you either of you know? Nope. No. That guy, (laughs) um, which I love this movie i'm very glad it made it in the top 10 i think it's highly deserving my i have probably seen this movie five times um because my husband is obsessed with it um so five times is a lot (laughs) three three of which were in the theater and like again i i really like it i think it has some flaws so i understand why it's in like the lower three of the list uh but yeah my Hubbard, my darling dearest, just cannot get enough of this movie. So there you are, J. Mark. <laughs> um, all right. Number seven, we have Prey, directed by Dan Trachenberg. I think that's how you say his last name. Have you guys seen Prey? Nope. <laughs> I have not. No, again, oh, it's I on the list. Prey. I know. Okay. I knew one of you had highly <laughs> recommended it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth a watch. It is like maybe the best Predator movie to come out since Predator. (laughs) Nice. Really, really worth watching. Very cool. And now at number six, we have Smile, directed by Parker Finn. Again, on the list, Um, (laughs) I've seen previews, not going to lie. Just even that, I'm like... It's, it, it looks like it definitely delivers some creepiness. So I'm looking oh, forward yeah. to it's it. Oh, yeah. It's Jump Scare City. Absolutely. Mm. Delicious. Uh, nope. <laughs> Which is weird because I think I would really like it. I just, it's one of those that I have not gotten, I haven't gotten around to yet. Now, one of these days. Yeah. But 2025. Yeah. Yeah. We can. Yeah. We'll do a double feature. You and me in our 2025. Love it. I love it. There you go. Yes. Yes. We will smile about the menu. Um, <laughs> um, and coming in at number five, interestingly enough, another movie I've probably seen about five times just because <laughs> I watched this movie as a comfort film, The Northman by Robert Eggers, who I think <laughs> deserves comfort film. Don't go together. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Uh, just, yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy and all of the great, wonderful aesthetic 
naked people in a volcano. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so I watched this on an airplane and I would like to watch it in a, a non-airplane environment, but I yeah. loved, loved, loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So good on you, Robert Eggers, for making number five on this list. Uh, let's keep going. All right. I've got number four, which is Pearl, and number three, which is X, both directed by Ty West. I have seen X and I've seen Pearl, but only in French because <laughs> only the French version is available in streaming here for some reason. So French with English subtitles. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I love it. I thought you were going to say you just were working on your French. So you decided, hey, I've got the time. So. I would have believed you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, number two is The Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson. Again, waiting to see this. Highly recommended to me by my 15-year-old son who watched it during math class one day. So, you know, yeah. it's kind of interesting the amount math. of movies these kids get to watch when they have a substitute. So I'm looking forward to that. This movie is directed by Scott Derrickson, which ironically, our movie today that we're covering, uh, The Multiverse of Madness, he had left directing and writing and being a part of that so that he could do the black phone. And I had read, he was just really interested in doing just a full on horror movie. So um, again, that is our number two. So Asia, stop the suspense. What is our number one? Come, oh yeah. Woo! Coming in <laughs> with all of the fanfare of a thousand swinging what do you call those wavy thingies? A hundred of those guys <laughs> flapping their arms along the edge of the Back highway. Arm yes. With all of that fanfare coming in at number one is the ever loving scary movie. Nope. Directed by Jordan Peele. Awesome. Nice. I've seen this movie and I love it. Hey. I, have to say, I, I adore this movie. So I'm like, all right, at least I saw number one. I'm Brand feeling good. For Jets. I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think out of all the movies. Like, so tell me again, why is she on this podcast? Thank you all for allowing the every woman to be a part of these discussions. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say thank we you. Love having you here. I do think out of every movie on this list, Nope did have the one scene that like, I don't know about scared me, but disturbed me. Nope mm. had the most disturbing scene of any of these movies on it for me. So I, I definitely resonate with that number one spot. Which Love is it. weird because you have the Northmen <laughs> <laughs> and Barbarian on this list. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, what can I say? I feel like my That Ain't Rights in any other episode never quite align with what should be a That Ain't Right. So I don't know. I'm just wigged out by weird crap. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so I'm sure, Jess, that there is a multiverse version of yourself that has seen all other <laughs> nine movies on this Love list. It. <laughs> so about this movie, as Jess mentioned, yes. we are talking today about MCU's Multiverse of Madness. It is the latest entry in Doctor Strange's sort of timeline and story. And Jess, would you like to summarize the absolute madness of this film for us, please. 
Yes, friend. Yes. And to keep this summary succinct, we're going with a little summary from IMDb because there's a reason that this movie is called The Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Doctor Strange teams up with a mysterious teenage girl from his dreams who can travel across multiverses to battle multiple threats, including other universe versions of himself, which threaten to wipe out millions across the multiverse. Together, they seek help from Wanda the Scarlet Witch, Wong, and others. And let me just put that help from Wanda the Scarlet Witch <laughs> in some air quotes, because I was like, oh, interesting choice of words, help from Wanda the Scarlet Witch. So that is a very brief summary of this movie that has um, a lot, a lot in it. Um, ladies, I mean, I guess just broadly, did you like it? What are, what are some of your thoughts? I feel like for me, this movie kind of had a bit of the original uh, Suicide Squad effect on me because the first trailer for this movie dropped and it looked a lot more horror because I'm assuming at the time it had more to do with Scott Derrickson. Mm -hmm. um, and then later trailers kind of revealed, you know, we're going a little bit more with the Marvel spice flavor, which is fine. Um, admittedly, I am not the world's biggest Marvel fan. I don't okay. dislike Marvel. I, I think maybe I'm just, you know, I think I'm just pretentious. I think that's probably what it is. <laughs> I love it. Just name it, girl. Like yeah. there's no, not no enough hide. dead bodies being hung in a wreath-like fashion for <laughs> Asia sensibility in this movie. It's like, what is all this positivity? Like, come on. Um. So for me, I do really, when it comes to any Marvel films, I will say I do really like Doctor Strange installments. <laughs> Am I supposed to keep talking? <laughs> it's oh just my goodness. For a second. <laughs> Look at that. What do you know? What do you what know? Do you know? What do you know? This. It's a, it's a cameo by a bearded character with graying temples. <laughs> Well, you don't know this, but you were, definitely uh, strange. you were America Chavez into an alternate uh, universe um, in the <laughs> opening. It. Do you want to tell us about uh, where you went and how you got back? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's too, <laughs> too dark. It's too dark. How are we doing? You know, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I'm not going to hang long, but I couldn't let our first actual standard episode entry into the MCU go without some version oh. of cameo. Hopefully I don't exit like <laughs> the actual Reed Richards yes. in the film. I but, love it. You know, Reed, I, I haven't told Reed I'm doing this. So he's gonna be, I'm just, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to let him listen please back don't. to it. Oh, please don't. I love it. <laughs> so where I are we? It. What are we doing? Asia was just what? telling us about how she hates Marvel. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a bold statement. <laughs> on that note. I, wow, throw her under the bus. <laughs> I mean, and slightly, I don't, I don't, again, I wouldn't go so far as to say I hate Marvel. I might hate some Marvel movies, but I, I was willing to admit that I am probably just a very pretentious person who doesn't hmm. get as much joy out of life as the rest of people. Tell us about so. that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's sort of, it. I feel like 
you can get to a point with certain franchises where it feels more like money than story. And that sure. that's just kind of where, yeah. where I got. But I guess where I was going with it is that out of the Marvel universe, Doctor Strange is one of my favorite characters. Um, the original, the first Doctor Strange movie was one of my first, uh, one of my favorite Marvel installments. Um, and then this movie, I think, has some really, really excellent, chilling, moving moments and elements about yeah. it. But I would say all over as a film, again, kind of had that Suicide Squad effect on me to where I wanted the movie. I thought I was going to get promised and was, you know, OK with the movie I got. OK, that's fair. I feel similar in that I... I like MCU, but again, I'm a casual fan. Mm. I have seen, I think, everything at this point. Thank you, quarantine. Um, <laughs> but I have never read comics. So I do always appreciate, like Nathan, when you can bring in some of these backstories. Um, and then just the sheer ability to keep up with all the little subplots, I will be honest, like, remembering it to be able to take it into all these movies makes it hard but with this said i like you asia dr strange has just always been one of my favorites mm -hmm. i don't know i just i think i think he's cool for lack of a better word i like benedict cumberbatch um his portrayal of him but i could not figure out the rules if there were any of this storyline which was very disconcerting for me, even mm. though they tell you it is madness. I still feel like when anything can happen, I feel discombobulated yeah. in a story. Fair, when your characters can do magic and there's no boundaries on the, the magic really that they hard. do, then it you feels like, feel like the writers can use that as a crutch to make them right. really do anything. anything. And then I think they did not develop America's character. At all. Agreed. She is a plot yes. device. And that yes, is yeah. about the sum of it yep. in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know what's already been said or what's yet to come. So I'll throw Not my two cents in here. Go for um, we've actually talked about doing uh, a B side of just MCU Phase Four, and and I think what has of mm -hmm. which uh, Quantum Mania is the first installment of Phase Five, which means Wakanda Forever was the last of Phase Four. Um, and I think I've I've just held off doing that because it just kind of makes me sad. Um, because phase yeah. four writ large is, is a bit of a mess. And I think though, to the rules point, there's a lot of validity there because there's two layers. There's the one Vera mentioned, which is okay. Magical characters. And, and what are the rules of that? Mm -hmm. Well, Marvel kind of uh, uh, the vanguard of this storytelling trope, at least between the big superhero franchises pushed in on this multiverse idea, which theoretically is okay as a concept but it's a bit also of a mess and what are the rules and there really is no rhyme or reason to it i went into multiverse of madness <laughs> so great little bit of um i'll share this story because i'm only i'm <laughs> guesting here so I'm, i love cameo. it I, I can i can <laughs> back out and zero want. accountability for what i say here <laughs> and so um Okay, I'll share this story, but it pivots into another story. So years ago, circa October of 2016, I've got a dear friend locally that I who's who's a super uh, uh, 
political nut, just just one of these people I go to like, hey, help me understand what's going on geopolitically in the world. They're who I go to. And as a joke, as a joke for his birthday <laughs> in October, I gave him a T-shirt of a homoerotic image of Putin and Trump. And and this was right before November 2016. And I have forever carried the guilt and shame of thinking, is it my fault that we then got plunged into what we did because I the made the choice. Yes. Well, yeah. well, not even so much that of just like if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't lampooned this thing, it wouldn't have happened. Fast forward to what, three months ago when this movie came out as the Marvel Studios logo hit the screen. I looked to the person I was there with and I said, I'm kind of excited. <laughs> and then two, two and a half hours later, I was like, I, my head is about to explode. I don't even really get it. Like, oh my God, it's my fault. This is like I, the everything everywhere all at once, Nathan, where you're like the worst yeah. of all worlds. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Just throw a, throw a raccoon on my head and, and, and steer me around. But one of those reasons is uh, uh, to what, at least in cursory fashion, I've gleaned from what you said is, uh, did you say in crispy fashion? Uh, a cursory fashion. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, cousin, <laughs> cousin to crispy fashion. Yes. The crispy fashion. That's a thing. We should, we should look into that Asia. Mm -hmm. um, but so, so for, for listeners at home, for any of you in this conversation who don't know this Loki, the TV show was the first, uh, uh, well, no, or was it no way home? Can't quite remember. Maybe it was no way home. No way home. And Loki came around, came out around each other in a, in, mm -hmm. on the calendar. Both of them purport to deal with multiversal storytelling. Mm -hmm. Both of them do it in very differing ways in mm -hmm. a way that's like, okay, um, I'm, I can sort of keep this together. So then I went into multiverse of madness thinking this is going to be the unifying sort of thing, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. yeah. whatever multiverse yeah. of madness brings it's in the title. It's going to now put forth for us how we're supposed to understand this storytelling. Right. And it got to the end. I was like, well, WTF, I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, because <laughs> it just kind of introduces a whole new version of doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, there, there are some, there's some cracks in the firmament that are real and yeah. make me sad as a multiverse was supposed to come out before no way yes. home. Mm -hmm. And, okay. and then just because of production issues uh. and change of directors and script rewrites, and like, they didn't even have the ending of the movie. Like, crystallized until halfway through filming it like that's how kind of messed up behind the scenes of that was and covid played a huge role in that and so it ended up coming out afterwards and i think to that the maybe point that to the point that i'm sorry to cut you off but to the point that my understanding is had multiverse come first no way home instead of ned magicking it yeah. was going to be america yeah and they had to redo everything. Do and you can watch oh. multiverse. You can watch That's multiverse great. and the scenes with, um, I can't remember the actor's name at the moment, but she plays America. You watch those scenes. You're like, these are totally reshot stuff. Like this is yeah. not, you know, some of the more set pieces aren't, but like the scene of them in the diner or whatever, like this is totally mm -hmm. a drop in. They did after the fact yeah. for exposition's yeah. sake. Anyway, Which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. So my opinion on the movies in general uh, I think that it is a very middling Marvel movie, yeah. like lower middle Marvel movie. I think that it is in the close to the top tier of phase four, because okay. there's a lot of really meh entries in phase four. 
Um, and I think it's a really great Sam Raimi movie. So if you sure. just, if you take it out of the Marvel ver- universe and you have like the characters, whatever, and it's Sam Raimi. And I think that as a standalone, like, cool, it'd be fun. It'd be great. Except that I think that one of the problems is that he wasn't, I is the reason that Scott Derrickson left is that he wasn't allowed to make the movie that he wanted to make. He had to make, a horror comedy within the confines of the Marvel structure Mm. and their formula. And that just doesn't work for the type of story that they're trying to tell with this. I don't know, but I think that I enjoyed it. Like army of darkness is my third favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. I love Sam Raimi. I love almost everything he does. And so I can look at this sort of separate from Marvel and enjoy it. But if I put it in Marvel, I feel very meh about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of, so one of the things I even wrote down when watching it was like, again, I love to mess with like sub subtitles for things. It would be like multiverse of madness, AKA mom, AKA Marvel's evil dead movie, which is what it feels like (laughs) in a lot of ways. Yeah. It really does. Well, two, two thoughts. And then I'm going to part, I'm going to turn to spaghetti and part ways with you lovely folk. Um, (laughs) So Vera, it's so funny. You mentioned this and this may threaten our friendship, but I watched this and realized I'm not a Sam Raimi guy. Like it's just, it just doesn't, he he doesn't speak my language. I can't really jive with it. Um, I, I respect his position in the, the, the Pantheon. Um, I haven't rewatched the Spider-Man films in years. So I wouldn't be able to speak to how fresh this feeling is to those, but having rewatched um, or having watched the Evil Dead series, the films in the last few years, I did like Ash versus Evil Dead a lot, which mm. I know he had a hand in, did like that a lot. But watching Multiverse of Madness, that was another takeaway was I, I just, for some reason, it just doesn't <laughs> click with me. But the other big thing for me outside of the disjointed nature of the editing and the Sam Raimi of it all is if you watched WandaVision before this, which is wobbly, but has some strengths. Mm-hmm. And one of which mm-hmm. is trying to get this character of Wanda slash Scarlet Witch into something interesting. Mm-hmm. Dead gum. They do an uh, extreme yeah. about face extremely quickly in a way that felt almost false as a storytelling choice. Like mm-hmm. what we doing? Mm-hmm. We're doing this, this fast already. It, it just, <laughs> yeah, that was a big struggle. But that's for me exactly there. what they did with America too. Like she's, but we had no precedent for America. And then it's like, oh, she got the strength and she's doing it. Sure. Harnessing everything. And it was like within a minute. (laughs) But the difference there, Jess, is your opinion. And number two, (laughs) (laughs) I can live with it. I can live with it. There's there's plenty of uh, enough overlap uh, elsewhere that we can be friends. Ladies, it's a pleasure (laughs) to see you. I'm going to let you get back to your conversation. I'm going to let Scarlet Witch evaporate me into whatever it is and go. Back about my day. And go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what um, America Chavez. I don't like. Now we're like just nitpicking things that we don't like about the movie. And that's fine. We can talk (laughs) about things that we don't like for a little while if we want. But um, the star wipe at like entering other universes, like the literal shape of it is something that only works in comic books. And it doesn't translate well to movies. And every single time it reminded me of the episode of The Simpsons where Homer directs Ned Flanders um, (laughs) dating video and he keeps adding the star wipe effect. Like, that's what it reminds me of every single time. (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) Um, As 
Nathan mentioned that he is not on board with like Sam Raimi and his sort of the way he maybe storytells and crafts his movies. I did want to mention some Raimiisms that are found through because Sam Raimi has a tradition of including things from his previous movies into his current films. So there is a fork on Pizza Papa's cart that is used by the little ashes in Army of Darkness to stab Big Ash. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is amazing. I love that. I do. Then, love of course, that. you have Pizza Papa himself, who is Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell and um, my favorite actor. And yeah, everybody's uh, favorite the- uncle. <laughs> and like the slapstick of him, like punching himself in the face and beating himself up is a very <laughs> Sam Ramy thing to make his best friend do. Right. And it's something that again, army of darkness features very heavily. Um, I like the part where the inner sanctum becomes like the evil dead house, like the door slam and the cameras do that, like zoom in thing. And the sound effects, like this very evil dead in the, um, when the Illuminati are fighting Scarlet witch. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Miss Marvel gets crushed by the statue. That's a statue of Xena Warrior Princess. And Sam oh, Raimi no was the director of oh, Xena. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yep. Um, of course, the Delta 88. So Sam Raimi had a car that was featured in all the Evil Dead movies, the mm-hmm. Oldsmobile Delta 88. It's a yellowish car. It was in all three Spider-Man movies. It's in every, I think, The Quick and the Dead. It shows up even in The Quick and the Dead. It's in every single movie except for The Wizard of Oz that he directs. And it shows up in um, Sinister Strange's universe. Is like a floating car in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That would have been hilarious if it would have made it into Wizard of Oz. He probably tried so hard. Come on, guys. We can figure this out. I mean, so was Quick in the Dead, but like old-timey world. guess Dorothy just didn't have access to a car. Um, There's the spiked tea. Um, that Mordo gives um, Doctor Strange and America and like that effect with like the blurring and whatever, like that's a very evil dead mm-hmm. thing. And then of course it features the, um, the dark cold, which is an evil book like the Necronomicon. Yeah. Mm. Book of the damned. I mean, it's, it's the same. It's pretty much the same. You know, you open it, you do stuff with it. Bad crap happens. Right. Yeah. Don't say the words. Just don't say the words. Bad stuff happens. And when bad stuff happens, we know that it ain't right. And Just so right. let's move into our next segment. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. All right. So, Asia, what did you find in this movie that just ain't right? Um, aside from just a lot of the stuff I didn't like about the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> quibbles and bits. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yes, yes. Quibbles and bits. That We'll save that for fighting in a volcano in the Northman. Um, <laughs> that's, oh, never mind. That was trivial bits. That's different. Um so for this one, I actually did have a very distinct um, moment because I forgot it was in the movie. I remember it kind of shocked me and like grossed me out the first time it happened. And I totally forgot it came. And then I watched it again and had the same reaction. I do not <laughs> remember the chap's name, uh, but the gentleman who I'm whispers. Black Hulk. Yeah, he whispers and you die horribly. 
Yeah, Black Bolt. Yeah, when yeah. Wanda removes his <sighs> his mouth and he screams and just his his brain combusts on his own himself. Head. Yeah. yeah, he he blows his own brain up just you know by exclaiming, and it's that's just a really janky thing to think about for too long. So don't. <laughs> Don't do it. Excellent advice. <laughs> Jess, what about you? Oh, I also, that was a good one. I definitely, that is one that stuck with me. That one that you said, Asia. Mine is from the beginning of the movie when they're, he and America are first together and they're fighting that giant eyeball octopus type thing in the city Mm -hmm. and at the end of their fight and i believe it's a lamppost that gets pierced through the eyeball which anything with my eye like makes me like just want to twitch oh oh like that is always something like when kids would flip their eyelids it would gross me out when i was a kid like i never was like leave your eye alone i've never worn contacts like so but not just that that thing went in the eye it is the sounds i don't know you need to go back if you don't know Mm. what i'm talking about but there's a distinct popping sound yeah. <laughs> Along with a slurp, like a really oh, no, not the slurp. distinct slurp, which it makes me want to put on my uh, the, the, the audible titles. So I would want to know how they describe what that slurp actually <laughs> is for someone that is hearing impaired. But that part hands down that was my i thought that he doesn't have the same the same subtitles as netflix netflix brings it up a whole other level with like the sound effect subtitles disney doesn't have it they did (laughs) they don't because i did watch the subtitles for those people yeah so that was my that ain't right oh yeah that ain't right did you know that that was um uh elizabeth olsen's actual eye so they scanned her eye and then they put it on the monster and it's like no foreshadowing way. that she's the villain no of the movie. No way. That's yeah. crazy. I love that. That's really yeah. cool. I thought that was really cool too. Um, all right. So my my yeah. number one was obviously Black Bolt. Um, my number two might have been that. <laughs> my, <laughs> my that ain't right is going to be when they're in the inner sanctum and it's that like evil dead cabin thing that's happening and they trap her in the mirrors and she's trying to escape through yes. the reflections and yeah. she um finds like a reflective surface on a shield or something and she like samara's her way like the ring through the the reflective surface and i was like oh my gosh that's so creepy it gave me chills yeah. that ain't right yes well but there's like there's a lot of them in this movie like the massacre at Carmartage is crazy yes there, like I said, so much eye stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much, so much eye stuff. stuff. There's the zombie strange. That ain't right. And like, yeah, as he progressively, off to yeah. the side, like yeah. that just is very unnerving. The movie yeah. definitely did have, it did allow for some horror ish moments. Yes. Like you said, the Samara ing out of the shield reflection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the poltergeisty and elements that show up later. Definitely. When she's yeah. Wanda, like bloody Wanda, like stalking them through the tunnels. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Doesn't um, she look like Carrie? I totally yeah. was, you know, they got those vibes. Yeah, there's definitely I think 
This movie is very, very heavily like comic book influenced. Like there's a lot of stuff pulled directly from the comic, but also because of Sam Raimi and his background in horror, I think that he also pays homage to a lot of those very famous films. Yes. I heard Aliens was one of the visual inspirations for a lot of the space fighting (laughs) for lack of a better word space multiverse whatever um i also feel like i mean i've seen all of these marvel movies with my kids at varying ages so you end up watching it with a different eye you know because you're like ah, is this appropriate like based on their age and Mm -hmm. my son started watching these when he was like nine or 10. So it's kind of like paying attention to that. And I definitely feel like this by far definitely is the most graphic with, or maybe it's just because of the horror element. I mean, like I was thinking about one of my runner up that ain't right was um, Captain Carter getting the shield in her, like cutting her in half. Like you don't see it, but that was very brutal to me for a Marvel movie like that felt different and the shield yeah. was bloody yeah yeah it was like you definitely felt unnerved in a way you you generally don't with comic book violence or at least I don't I definitely yeah. appreciated the um what is it when she gets uh Dr. Xavier she kind of like sneaks up behind him really quick yes. and her face is all like really mm-hmm. nastified in that moment that was that was like that was legitimately creepy yeah, that was yeah. a that was a startling moment too, and especially because it's Professor X, and you're just like everyone's oh. so pumped he's in the movie, and then like, <laughs> he just gets taken out so fast. <laughs> um, before I think that we should get into maybe a little bit more discussion about um, things that we don't like about it, but is there anything that you really do like about it before we start pooping on it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think there are some great themes. I don't know if you want to go there quite yet. Yeah, let's hold off on themes a little bit. We'll hold off on themes. I thought visually, I enjoyed the visuals of the movie. Like, I don't feel like I wasted my money. Like, you know, the theme of this show is that Jess doesn't watch as many movies (laughs) as maybe the rest of you. And I end up like picking, like, what do I really need to see in a theater? Mm -hmm. And I pretty much always want to see Marvel movies in a theater. It's just, you know, it's money. And I am so glad because those visuals on the big screen, no matter what I thought were stunning. I Mm. loved, especially that one where they were like falling through all the multiverses and things were changing. I thought that was just a really neat sequence. I loved that. Yeah. I love that. Like, I love that too. And I like that they're getting a little bit more creative when they change from universe to universe and actually showing us like very interesting visuals as opposed to like the second Thor movie where they're tumbling through different dimensions. And it's literally like, this is red Mars. This is green Mars. This is Mars. Like you just put a filter on all of them. You're like, okay, whatever. Wow. That was really cool. (laughs) Yeah. there, There were a lot of things I appreciated. Again, probably my favorite things about the movie were the more horror adjacent elements um, like I said, I kind of appreciated the poltergeisty mm-hmm. um, bits where she's kind of stalking the version of her that she will eventually possess. Um, I, a lot of my favorite things about this movie as well would be better mentioned come the themes, but 
Um, I, I just think the fact that the Illuminati is in this movie at all is hysterical to me. And just <laughs> being able to say, like, oh, they're Love fighting that. the Illuminati. And then it's all of the people that we that end up being in the Illuminati where it was just that was very funny to me. I am such a hoe for the Black Fingers witch trope. I don't know why, but I, <laughs> I just love it. Love it. Uh, I l- appreciated it in Gretel and Hansel. Like my D&D character has that trope. And I just whenever it shows up, I just go, oh, I like it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just like that it was a creepier movie. I felt like it had yeah. a little bit of its own character. Um you know, definitely kind of had to smush that character inside um, the box that it was supposed to fit in. But I, I appreciated the ways in which they, they worked with what they could. And then I'll save my other more favorite things for the themes because they're very present. Yeah. Fair. Um, Yeah. I really applaud the visuals in this movie. Like you said, Jess, I think that visually it's stunning and even though it's all CGI and it's not real, it's it's created within a computer, like it's still very engaging. And the way that the actors interact with those worlds, I think, is really fun. Um, I loved the score. I think that Danny Elfman did an amazing job with mm-hmm. the sound in this movie. I think it's beautiful. And one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is the Beethoven versus Bach music note yes. fight. I think that that was so Love creative. That. And well mm-hmm. done. Like, I just, I, I really loved that. Yeah, and so, agreed. yeah, I definitely wanted to applaud the movie for those things. And I think that all every, with the exception of the actress who plays um, America, and I don't think it's fair to her because I don't think they gave her a lot to do. I think everybody else is really giving it their all. Like Benedict Cumberbatch, Rachel. Um, McAdams. Last name. Yep. That's her name. McAdams, that's um, name. Yeah. McAdams. Um, like everybody in the Illuminati, like all of those fan East fan servicey Easter eggy things, like everybody gives it their all. And that's a lot of fun, um, to watch actors really doing their best with what they're given. It's just, unfortunately, I think the script is where the movie is really lacking and falls apart. And now, mm-hmm. now is time for poop club poop on a different way <laughs> poop on the movie because poop on the movie. <laughs> because while it can be applauded for visually being really really amazing there are definitely some weak spots so asia do you want to start us off with some of that uh, sure i mean like i think i agree with you the script the script is very i would say contrived in a lot of ways mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very much like we need to get the plot to go over there and yeah. we will make our characters do and say whatever the heck they need to do and say to get us there, even if it doesn't feel in line with their characters and we don't really build it up to make that a logical decision for them. And there were <laughs> there were definitely some editing moments that felt very choppy to me. I think one that stood out to me in particular um, when Dr. Strange is confronting Wanda before she kind of unleashes the massacre on the temple area. uh, She brings up to him like, Oh, you know, you could, you could go find a universe where you can be with Christine. The editing in that moment, it looks like there were probably a good two extra minutes of conversation there 
that it just mm. cuts to his re- like he's yeah. he's teared up. He's uh, there was something not the way it was supposed to be in that. Apparently, scene. there's 40 minutes of footage that did not make it into the final movie. Oh, makes wow. sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, for, for me, those are what my biggest, you know, elements of dislike end up being for this movie is that like it did it it just felt like a means to an end uh it didn't so much feel like let's explore these characters let's invest in these characters it was like you know you know who most of these people are already so that should be enough and we're just going to keep doing stuff with them so that, mm-hmm. mm, that that was my biggest issue yeah yeah and i think that again not to <laughs> beat on a dead eyeball monster but <laughs> that is what my complaint is with America is that I feel like they treated her like that. Like, Oh, she's this character, you know, we don't have to explain anything and you should know it. That again, that was my feel. And I'm with you, Vera. I don't want to put her down as an actress because I don't think there was a ton that she could have done, but like, it was just very, just like that two dimensional. Like I just, I wasn't rooting against her, but I couldn't root for her. It was just kind of like, I'm still figuring out why you're here. Like, (laughs) you know, and I think they just um, made things happen too quickly. Mm -hmm. Like they just didn't take, I don't know if it would have taken another movie or if, like you said, if she would have been in Spider-Man way home, if that would have all been Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. But you know, it's like, she's just dropped in. They had this massive fight with the eyeball and they're in the diner and it's kind of like they're chatting, like they're old buddies. And I'm like, you're not here yet in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And it felt disingenuine to me. I was just like, this is not, I know this is the multiverse, but like, this is not how relationships work. You don't right. dream about somebody recurringly have this massive fight. And then you're just kind of like, it was like, they're like, Oh, we need our comedy. We need a couple of jokes. Mm-hmm. So that's, it, it just, it all felt too forced together to um, feel real, to really feel like you're in with these characters. Like the only person I felt in with was Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Like her acting and everything she did, whether I agree with her or not, what they're doing with her character. But like, I was with her every minute of that movie. And that might have to do more about the mom factor, which I'm <laughs> sure we'll get into. But Everybody else, I was just kind of like, uh, uh, okay, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. This movie is the opposite of a slow burn. It literally hits the ground running and it's yes. just like, yeah, scene after scene after scene of action, of plot moving forward, of without stopping to explain <laughs> anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. need everything explained to me like I'm five but I also need you to introduce and develop your characters so that I have a reason to care about them. Right. Um, And especially if you're introducing new characters and America Chavez is uh, in the comics, she's a much, much newer character. She was developed like way, way, way after, you know, the original run of the Marvel heroes, the Avengers that we know and love, right. She comes much, much, much later. And so people don't have the same, like depth of care for her character as they do those other ones. And so you have to give us time with her in order for us to care about her character. And that wasn't something that was given. 
Um, and I also feel like this movie is less accessible than so much of the other Marvel universe because it's so heavily based on the um, MCU TV show, like yes. WandaVerse, right? Right. Yeah. Whereas in the past, you've had like, you've had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was uh, a Marvel-based mm-hmm. show and about like S.H.I.E.L.D., the organization, but they had movies coming out all the time around the run of that show. But the show, while it had very minor characters pop in and out of it, it was never, it never affected the plot yeah. of those movies. And those movies right. very minorly affected the plot of the show. But you could watch one and the other without watching both, and you could still follow yeah. the plot. Whereas this demands you have Disney Plus or, you know, pirate it somehow. Right. And I think that that makes the universe a lot more inaccessible to people because that's not something a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have it, but a lot of people don't have it. And so yeah. I feel like it's unfair. <laughs> Yeah. to a degree mm-hmm. to tie it in so close to the the tv yeah. shows um and i liked i mean i can excuse a lot of the stuff that they did with scarlet witch and her character between wandavision and this movie as we'll get more into in themes i'm sure like her she's a, a woman struggling with grief but her like her character vot- motivations didn't make total sense to me like yeah. You ha- if you're trying to gain access to the multiverse. I'm sure there's a version of your kids out there that are orphaned. Just go get those kids and right. be their mom. Why do you have to torture this poor woman like, <laughs> and steal yeah. her kids? Why does it specifically have to be this universe's kids? I don't understand. Right. There's just things like that. But like again, yeah. when you open up multiple universes, you open yourself up to those ki- types of questions. And you're not supposed to think that hard about it. Right. Um, and yeah. if you start to, everything falls apart. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. So I had seen this in the theater whenever it had come out. I can't even remember last summer. Um, and, you know, like kind of like Nathan, you know, I was like, what just happened? You know, and <laughs> didn't get it. But again, it's so visually stunning. And I, I will be honest again, like I struggle with understanding time travel. Like I'm always the person like, wait, what happened? Like, how did that work? So when I rewatched this for our discussion, I was like, OK, got my notebook. I got my pencil, like I'm pausing <laughs> things. I'm like, and it's like, you're tracking, you're tracking, and then you're not. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, okay, I can forgive. But like, there's a certain point where an hour in, I'm like, I literally have no idea how we got here to there. <laughs> like, I just, I can't, you know, I cannot figure it out. And again, there's probably people smarter than me, but I do feel good when I read that other people who are in the weeds were like, I, I don't know how we got from here to there. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. But it's been set up as a very accessible franchise. Like this is, you know, everybody should be able to watch these and be able to follow story you know, pretty much without, like you said, having Disney plus having read comic books for years, having, you know, I don't know. It's just, it is disappointing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But as we muddle through the madness, that is the multiverse, there are definitely some apparent themes in this movie. Like this movie definitely wants to convey something important. What, if anything, did you discover while watching it? Mm. Well, for me, um, there's a couple of themes. The first one I wanted to mention um, 
it's just the idea of control Mm -hmm. and who has control and how we deal with it. And, you know, there's just some, you know, I love like um, towards the beginning when Dr. Strange is at Christine's wedding Mm -hmm. and she says, Stephen, you always have to be the one holding the knife. And just, you know, it was reminiscent to me of that first Doctor Strange and just everything about, you know, he was this doctor. And I feel like it harkened back and just he controlling things. And that's the first lines of the movie is, you know, you can't handle the control Mm -hmm. is what he says to America. Only I can. So I do appreciate. And then Scarlet Witch, she wants control. Everybody is like, what I think needs to happen is best. And I will do what I need to do to make it happen, happen. So I, uh, I just am like, um, this is kind of a theme in my life, (laughs) control and thinking I know what's best for other people for myself, you know, and it is part of parenting, but just the idea of what will you do in taking that control? Like, what will that look like? Like, Mm. how will you demand that people relinquish control? Like I just, all those themes. Exactly. Yeah. Very good point, Asia. I, sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt. I just wanted to. Oh yeah. No, that's just kind of like, it's funny. Like this is definitely, um, this is what I did not get in my first viewing. These are all like Mm. things that I do have to say the second viewing and, if you talk to me in a week, there'll be more like, Mm -hmm. I I really, again, did appreciate that. Um, So I don't know, did you either of you pick up on that theme of control at all? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, uh, And just like you, it was more so on my second viewing. And I realized that the watch that he got from um, Christine was kind of the metaphor for that throughout the movie, because after he wakes up from the dream sequence at the beginning, um, the the camera focuses on that broken watch and he wears the broken watch to the wedding and he's there wishing that things would have been different. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says what she says to him. And uh, at the end of the movie, he comes to the realization that like, you can't make time stand still. In the same way that Wanda kind of comes to that realization, like she cannot be in that time and place where she had her kids and she had vision and they were all one big happy family. And she can't continue to make time stand still so that she can have those things. And she can't continue controlling and hurting people in order to, to continue to have those things. And Stephen Strange also realizes that. And by the end of the movie, what does he do? He fixes the watch. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a broken watch anymore. He realizes that he is not in as much control as he thought he was and that he has to let certain be okay with letting certain things go and moving on. Yeah. Which I did appreciate his um, little speech pep talk to America. What he said just in the the trust yourself and like, you know, he's letting this go. I'm not going to take when she's like, you're going to take the control from me, aren't you? And he's like, no. And although I think for the storyline, it drove me crazy because I couldn't stand (laughs) that she went from there to there in minutes. Mm -hmm. But 
I appreciated like this, I feel like is my life's journey, like letting go, you know, this want for security, this desire to make, you know, my reoccurring dreams be real, like demanding that what I thought, you know, I'm 45, you know, what I thought my life would be when I was 25, you know, and just, I loved all of that. And it just, to me, bled into this control thing. And, you know, there's one point where Wong tells Wanda, try as you might, you cannot control everything. And I'm just like, I hear you, Wong. I'm taking it in. Yes. <laughs> Tell me again. I need to put that one on repeat. The so. real hero of this movie is Wong. The movie is Wong. <laughs> yeah, yes. Seriously. It's, Asia, it's, what do you think? It's really interesting because while I definitely like saw the themes of control that were present in the movie and like understood them and acknowledged them, I think the the elements that actually stood out to me the most had a lot more to do with our understanding or our perception of power and what we see as powerful versus weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think the first line, and it isn't, this isn't exactly relevant to that theme, but it kind of trickles into it later. Um, he, when Wanda and what is Dr. Strange's first name? Steven. Thank Steven. you. Uh, when Wanda and Steven are kind of walking through the orchard when they first encounter each other, he says, your children aren't real. You created them using magic. And then she replies with, well, that's what every mother does. Mm. Um, and yeah. even, you know, metaphorically speaking, there is such, I, I, I see, I acknowledge, and I agree with all of the, the control uh, themes and under and, and talk, but at the same time, I think there's also, and maybe maybe one could say that control and power look or feel like the same thing, yeah. d- depending on the si- situation. But there's something, at least in my experience, of like I'm growing a human for the very first time, and I'm you know there's a ton that I still have yet to learn. But there's something so incredibly empowering about being a mother, and I mm. cannot imagine the crisis of self to have been deep, deep in that sort of magical place of the intimacy of, of creation and then beyond the, and then beyond that into rearing and then just have it all go away. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's the controlling element of wanting to stop that, but then there's this also like, what am I without this? And how do I, you know, there, there, like there is no me without what, what I have lost. And maybe I'm struggling to put it together coherently, but I think, I think to me, the most powerful image came at the end when Scarlet Witch is faced with sort of alternate universe Wanda that she has been terrorizing the whole movie. And, you know, she has understood the havoc she has wreaked on their situation. The children are afraid of her. They, they don't want to see her as a mother figure. And before the portal to that universe closes and they have this sort of long 
emotional standoff, as it were, Wanda sort of, not Wanda, the Scarlet Witch kind of drops to her knees before Wanda. And that was such a powerful image to Uh. me because it's sort of in that moment that like the power of all the universes that she has access to sort of bowing before the simple tenderness of an average mother. Yeah. And, and, and in that moment, um, other Wanda tells Scarlet Witch that she will, she's going to take care of them and she's going to make sure that they know that they're loved. Right. Mm-hmm. And puts a hand on her cheek to sort of offer Scarlet Witch some comfort in that moment. Mm-hmm. And even though they are, you know, alternate universe versions of one person, I, it's like she's being gracious, or like she's showing grace to mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch that Scarlet Witch did all of these things and they were evil things. She killed a lot of people. She tortured that poor woman mm-hmm. and she terrified those kids. She did those all in a state of grief mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and not coming to terms with the fact with what she had done in the town when she had enslaved the town and she created her kids in the first place, she still had not come to terms with the grief of losing vision and then the grief of losing her kids. And, and I'm not a a huge super fan of the grief driving a person to madness thing, but she's not being rational throughout the movie. She, she says she's being a reasonable person, but she is not reasonable or rational. She's, she's not able to get to that place until she's faced with those kids and how they really Mm -hmm. feel about her. And then instead of, you know, telling her what a horrible person she is and, and reprimanding her or screaming at her other Wanda reaches out a hand and offers her comfort in that moment and offers her grace. And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with when they do something, may make a mistake when they do something wrong, they struggle to give themselves grace in those situations. And I think that that's a very powerful moment. Uh, It really makes me think, Because sometimes it's, you know, when you've got a story that's so big and grandiose and all over the places, this movie, it can be kind of hard to know what those Mm. what those moments actually look like in real in real life situations. And it's just really it's made me think of a situation that I knew of in my family um, and pretty much all parties involved have since passed on. But my. My grandmother, who was a wonderful, wonderful, sweet, tender woman, um, she had uh, an adult daughter, my aunt, who died fairly young. And there was a situation that my mother actually overheard. There was an exchange between my grandmother, who had just lost her daughter, I think in her 30s, I think my aunt was when she died. And another relative closer to my grandmother's age. And for some reason, this relative was just castigating my grandmother, just blaming her and just really saying some horrible, horrible Mm -hmm. things to her. And my mom said that what she overheard my grandma say was, wow, you must be in a lot of pain to be able to say those things to me. And wow, just, The great again that the graciousness that a human can show to somebody who is legitimately wronging them um, 
I don't know. That just, it helps for me to have, to reduce the archetypes to real life specifics. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, and I, I loved that line that got repeated at least twice, if not more was that I'm, I'm not a monster. I'm a mother. And I, I do agree with you, Vera, not wanting to go into this, like the grief made me do it. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of friends who have lost kids and mm-hmm. that's, that is huge. And I believe what for all this movie is terrible at Elizabeth Olsen's performance of a grieving mother. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. And her ability to just, to me, convey that loss of dreams, like, like she, you know, uh, Asia, you touched on it. Like you're in this world. It is who you are. It's your identity. And then to have it taken away, like there's no way you can be the same person. There's no way that you can really be rational for, you know, for a good long time. Um, you are a different person and, you know, on this really blown up multiverse level, they show that, but essentially at the core, like a, a mom who's lost her child is just, it, it's one of the ultimate devastations, um, you know, that I think we can all yeah. think of as mothers here um, and fathers, not to negate a, a parent losing a child. It's just, it is devastating. And I think that that thread and her conversations and the things that Scarlet Witch said really made sense in line with people who I've seen in this type of grief. Yeah. I think that she didn't start off as a villain. She was a person who was suffering and in her suffering, she allowed herself to do evil things because she had not dealt with that grief and that suffering and that pain that came with losing her whole family. And she allowed herself to do evil things for the hope that good would come of it. Right. And in the end realized that that's not the way to achieve your means because she was willing to sacrifice another child, America in order to get her own kids. And I think the weight of all of that is kind of what hits her at the end and causes her to fall to her knees and realize the error of her ways. She's not, she's not a villain. She's not, she never intended to set out to hurt anybody. She intended to get her kids back. She was driven by one goal and that was it. And once she realized that that wasn't something that she could have, that's when she kind of starts to come to terms, right? That's when she kind of starts to heal and she's able to sacrifice herself. Maybe. Yeah. Whole (laughs) temple falls on her. We don't know. It's the Marvel universe. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. But she does intend to sacrifice herself so that not only herself, but any other multiversal parts of herself so that nobody else can attempt to do the same things that she did so that nobody else can attempt to use, to use evil as a means to achieve good. Right. Like to, to, to have means justify, no, backwards. <laughs> Does the end justify the means? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Right? <laughs> so that nobody else can come to that conclusion. 
because she realizes how wrong that is. She she concedes control. She gives it up. The movie really is sort of just a a very large scale summary of of the notion that hurting people hurt people. I mean, that that is so much of what this movie boils Mm -hmm. down to. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love what Wong says at the end when um, Dr. Strange asks him if he's happy. Mm. And Wong is kind of confused by the question at first. And then he says, sometimes I wonder about my other lives. Like, I wonder how things could have been if things went differently. And we all do this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if I made this one tiny decision a different way, what branch would my life have gone off into, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what multiverse would I have ended up in? Um, But Wong says, yet, I remain grateful for this one. Like, it is okay to wonder, and it is okay to sometimes have those thoughts, as long as we understand that those are things that can't happen. And that the way way to achieving many of those things is you're going to end up hurting others along the way. And to just remain in the present and remain grateful for what you do have, even amidst tragedy and loss. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was one of the best quotes of the movie. I like think. I said, Wong is the real hero. I yes. mean, <laughs> is Wong the Samwise Gamgee of this movie? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I, maybe he's the Sorcerer Supremes, and when Samwise would never take on the role of Sorcerer. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I unless either of you have something burning that you would love to throw in there and stir around in sort of the lovely chaotic cauldron that is this film, I'm wondering if it might be time to transition to the fog meter. Sounds Let's good. Do it. I think we've done okay. it. So the fog meter is our fear of God specific metric that we use to determine the score of the said movie that we are discussing at any given point. And that is based off of the two metrics of fear and God fear being the creepy crawly chilly moments. And then God being that of substance. Um, So Vera, I I guess I'll start with you and then we'll kind of go kind of go backwards Um, on a, on the fear scale of this movie, what, what would you give this? So on a fear scale, I'm not going to rate it like a typical horror movie, but in contrast to the Marvel universe, this is the closest Marvel has come to being a horror movie. I Mm. wouldn't say it's straight up horror, but it definitely has horrific elements in it. And so I'm going to give it a Seven. <laughs> okay. I love it. That well earned. I went a little bit slither in there. Sorry, but that's awesome. Two numbers. <laughs> yeah, your parcel tongue was very yeah. good. Um, Jess, how about yourself? I am right there with you. Um, I think I'm going to give it a six because um, I'm going back and forth. Like, yeah, for Marvel, it's definitely higher than any other movie, but in general, I'm kind of a big chicken and there was not much to be scared of. So I'm going to say a six for fear. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I think I would have erred on giving it a lower score had Vera not just said that. And I'm thinking, you know what? Like, that's a really good point. So (laughs) I think I probably would have gone somewhere. Yeah, I think I probably would have landed lower. But I think I'm also going to give it a seven because, you know, as as much more as there certainly could have been, 
uh, I, I applaud the fact that they were willing to go as far as they did in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Um, and in our next metric of God, uh, how about this? We'll go in reverse order. So I'll start and then we'll go okay. Jess Vera. Um, I definitely would not have said this the last time I watched this movie, which would have been the first time I watched this movie, but I'm probably, I think I'm going to give it up. Wow. It's so, I feel like this happens a lot where movies that I can't, I can't really say I love this movie, but it's going to end up getting like a mathematically high score (laughs) because of the way we use these metrics. Um, I think it's themes. It's themes are very rich but I'm, I'm going to try and be realistic on this one. I, I gave it a really good score on fear. So let's, I think I'm going to give it a, can I go, can I go? I'm going to give it a 6.5, 6. There you go. You could okay. do that. You have to do the math. So if yeah. you want to do 0. 0.5, it's on you, girl. I God love it. help us. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, I am actually going to go a bit higher and, but like you, Asia, if you would have asked me substance after first watching in the theater, I would have been like, uh, I don't know, too. Um, right. But again, sitting down, watching it differently and then discussing it, uh, I'm going to go with eight just because some of those themes just really um, I just can't stop thinking about them. I watched the movie yesterday, went for a long walk with the dog today, and it just kept different things kept coming to my heart and my spirit that were just pinged by this movie. So I'm going with eight. All righty. And I am going to go slightly lower than both of you because I think that this movie has some really wonderful themes. I think that it gets muddled by a very confusing plot. And so it does require multiple viewings in order to draw some of the conclusions or ideas that we found in it. And so I'm going to go with just a straight up six. Okay. All righty. And now allowing some, uh, <laughs> some margin time in my <laughs> dyslexic brain to figure this out. And you ladies can correct me if you think Play I'm wrong. Music. So <laughs> if I understand this correctly, which I think I did it right. Well, that means that we have rated the stranger thing, not stranger things. <laughs> <laughs> I math too we close to the sun. Thing this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Doctor Strange multiverse of madness, aka Mom, aka Marvel's Evil Dead movie. We would rate it a six point five. Nice, nice. I think that that's a, a fair showing. Fair. Yeah. I would. Would you guys recommend it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would recommend it for like completion of the Marvel universe. So if you're still on board with all of the phases of Marvel to get to phase five, you got to go through phase four. And there's a huge chunk of plot stuff in this movie that I think is important to um, other things that are happening, especially like the first end credit scene. That's, reveals things that are going to be happening later on in the future. So I think that if you are a completist, definitely watch it. But also if you are a Sam Raimi fan and you just yeah. not like Nathan, but if you're <laughs> anyone else who has 
tastes more in line with mine. I was going to say that. <laughs> that's not true. Nathan has good taste. Yeah. <laughs> He's wrong about You're this. so kind. <laughs> then I think it's just an, an enjoyable Sam Raimi movie in general. And so it's worth watching. Mm. Yeah. I would second that. I mean, exactly. Like if you're, I need to watch, I'm going to watch all the Marvel movies. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I want to, I've gotten this far kids. It's one <laughs> thing I can say where I'm kind of up on them. So I would definitely, but again, I would never, this would not be in a, a high list of rewatching and be like, Oh, you got to see this for sure. Yeah. I, I, definitely agree with both of you it's good in a well you know it yeah if you're a completist if you just love sam raimi all that stuff it's definitely i wouldn't say it's a waste of time by any means and there's valuable things to it um but in terms of just a standalone film there are other movies that do all of the things that this movie tried to do and did it does it better um so uh, it's up to you. Do I recommend it? That's you. What's your life? Yeah. That's, my, that's how I feel. You'll never get those two hours back, but <laughs> there you go. It's like if you have thoughtful friends to discuss it with, then it's probably a little bit more worth it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, ladies, it has been an absolute delight to hang out with each of you. Um, and pardon? Ditto. Oh, ditto. Yes. yes thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, so I will lead us out this evening, afternoon, whatever time of day it is, by saying to all of you, dear listeners, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Bye. See you. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.